Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this morning and this time that we can spend looking at what your word says about the future. Lord, we pray that we may indeed comprehend what it says. And may we believe that it is truthful, that it makes a right judgment about what is to come. And may that then make us change our ways. May it awaken us to the truth and so that we are able to be pleasing in your eyes. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, what is judgment? What does it mean to be judged? What does a judge actually do? I think we know about judgment because, of course, people judge us all the time. And we welcome judgment from others as well. We don't see judgment as necessarily a bad thing, but we like people to point out our inconsistency and judge our lives. I love that my wife, Jill, judges my work on a regular basis. Most of my written work passes by her eagle eye, and she often judges things to be wrong. Just this week, I sent out the order of service to everybody, and straight away, Jill pretty much responds in email. She says, why have you included the rosters for the following week when there is a church camp? And I said, well, I wrote back, because I'm an idiot. And, uh, and she wrote back, very nicely, uh, well, I love this idiot anyway. And, uh, and this is something that I really welcome from Jill, is that she judges my work and is able to find flaws in it, point them out to me so that I can amend those flaws and work on those parts of my life where I need, or parts of my writing, where I need to make correct the mistakes in my life. Because let's face it, we're all idiots, we're all fools in many ways. And we need people to correct us, to awaken us to where we have gone wrong, where we have been foolish, where we have shown idiocy in our lives. And judgment is what we're going to be looking at this morning, this subject, and a particular judgment we're going to be studying, and it's mentioned for us in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2. We've been slowly working through this verse, uh, and it's been teaching us about the elementary truths of Christianity. What are the basics, what are the fundamentals of Christianity, the foundational truths that we must hold dear and affirm as Christians. And we've come to the very last one, which is given to us at the end of verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 6. If you've got a black church Bible, I encourage you to have it open to page 1187. And we'll read from chapter 6, verse 1, and see what this last elementary truth of Christianity is. Verse 1 reads, Therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, Instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and, sixth and final one, eternal judgment. Eternal judgment. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Eternal judgment. What is this judgment that is called an eternal judgment? Is this the judgment of Jill of my work? Is it an eternal judgment? Is it your judgment of other people's work? Is eternal judgment? What is the judgment of this eternal judgment that is an elementary truth of Christianity? And so my first main point this morning is that eternal judgment involves a weighing of works. Eternal judgment involves a weighing of works. 
And to look at what the eternal judgment is this morning, and so that it just doesn't seem to be coming out of my head, because the passage doesn't tell us anything further than eternal judgment, I think it's good for us to look at another passage in Scripture that speaks very clearly about the final judgment and what will happen. And that's in Romans chapter 2, starting from verse 5. I encourage you to turn to that now, because we'll be working through that passage. Page 1113. 1113, 1113 of the Black Church Bibles. And the first thing we see in Romans chapter 2, verse 5, is that eternal judgment involves a weighing of works. As my first main point has said, eternal judgment involves a weighing of works. We'll read from Romans chapter 2, verse 5, where Paul writes, But because of your stubbornness, And your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. See that in verse 6? We get the the judgment mentioned in verse 5. And then, what does it say, verse 6? God will give to each person according to what he has done. And we know that is what judgment involves, don't we? Judgment involves looking at someone's works and then weighing it up and then giving either reward or punishment to those who have done the right thing. They are rewarded to those who have done the wrong thing. They are punished. It is a weighing up of works and God will give to each person according to what he has done. So then the question is, okay, there's a final judgment, there's an eternal judgment. That means a weighing of works. Who will be judged right? Who will be justified in the final judgment. And that brings me to my second main point this morning. Eternal judgment involves justifying those who do good. Eternal judgment involves justifying those who do good. And we read that in the very next verse in Romans chapter 2, verse 7. Romans 2, verse 7, it says, To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honour and immortality, he will give eternal life. Those who do good will be given eternal life. Those people who do good will be justified in God's eyes. Now, what is the good that God requires of us? Well, his law, um, the Ten Commandments, outlines very clearly what God would have us do. But, of course, we recognize that we fail to do that in many ways. So what is the good that God, the ultimate good that God would have us do, the, the thing that is most important for us to do with our lives? Well, if we are to survive the eternal judgment, to be justified, then Paul quite clearly in a few chapters, in the next, very next chapter, outlines how we are justified. And that's in Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Flip over with me one page and we see Paul says, For we maintain that a man is justified by faith, apart from observing the law. How are you to be justified before God? By faith. And Jesus teaches us that as well, that we need to believe in him. The good work that God requires of us is to believe in the one God has sent, who is Jesus Christ. We must trust in him if we are to be justified in that final judgment. And that is because we are justified through his blood. And the two chapters over, chapter 5, verse 9. Chapter 5, verse 9. We, we read, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? 
We need to trust in Jesus Christ if we are to be saved from our sins. If we are to be justified on that last day, we need to be saved through his blood. This is crucial for us to understand. We cannot think that we are right in God's eyes because of the way we live. We need to trust in Jesus Christ if we are to be saved from our sins. It is by his blood that we are healed. And so we need to remember that. If we are to be justified before God, it is by doing good. And the good that God requires of us is that we put our trust in him. So that is what we need to do. Why would we do that? Why would we seek to be justified before God? Why would we seek to have faith in him? Well, that is my third main point this morning. Eternal judgment involves the justified receiving eternity in heaven. Eternal judgment involves the justified receiving eternity in heaven. And that is given to us in Romans chapter 2, verse 7, that verse that we just read. Romans chapter 2, verse 7 says, To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honour and immortality, he will give eternal life. There is great reward for us. If we will trust in Jesus Christ, we will have eternal life. That means that we will be with Jesus Christ when he returns. And the author of Hebrews agrees with this in what Paul says here, I mean, we're concentrating on Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2, but of course we come over to Romans, and so you may be thinking, does the author of Hebrews agree with what I'm saying? Yes, he does. He says that in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, now we who have believed enter that rest, that eternal rest, that heavenly home that we're going to. How does he say that we get there? Now we who have believed, those who have been justified by faith, have that eternal rest. And so one day Jesus will return and we will go to be with him and we will live forever in his presence in heaven itself, in paradise. So then if that is what happens to those who are justified, if they are rewarded, God weighs up their works, he looks at whether you've repented and trusted in Jesus Christ, and if you have, you then receive that heavenly reward. What about those who do not get justified before God? What about those who are condemned by God on that day of judgment? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. Eternal judgment involves condemning those who do evil. Eternal judgment involves condemning those who do evil. And we see that in chapter 2, verse 8 of Romans. We see that sinners will be condemned there. It says in Romans chapter 2, verse 8, but for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth, and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. For those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, reject the truth and follow evil, who sin, there will be wrath and anger. And we see that we're meant to do that. God will judge us for our sins. We're meant to recognize that God will hold us accountable for what we've done. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 says that God will judge our sexual behaviors. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, we read, Marriage should be honoured by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Hebrews agrees with Romans. 
God will judge. God will judge our sins. And we will be condemned if we sin against God. But particular sin that we would be condemned by is our failure to accept Jesus Christ and to trust in him. As I said before, we are all sinners. And so what it ends up coming down to is, do we trust in Jesus Christ's death for us? If we trust in Jesus Christ's death, then we are justified. We are made right before God and we receive that heavenly reward. If we reject Jesus Christ, if we have unbelief, if we do not trust in Jesus, then we will be condemned on that day. And John chapter 3, verse 36 reads, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. If you reject Jesus Christ, if you do not want to have a part with him, then on Judgment Day you will be condemned. Your sins will condemn you, and your rejection of Jesus will condemn you. So you may be saying, okay, well, that's okay. I'm happy to be condemned by God. I don't really care. Well, what is the punishment that is handed out for those who are condemned? That brings me to my fifth main point this morning. Eternal judgment involves the condemned receiving eternity in hell. Eternal judgment involves the condemned receiving eternity in hell. Romans chapter 2, verse 8 tells us that. It says, but for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger, which Jesus describes as hell. God's wrath, God's anger is not a pleasant experience. Sometimes we experience wrath and anger from some people and we don't really care because it doesn't really hurt us. It doesn't matter if someone's angry at me, I don't care. We often do that with siblings. Oh, it's just my sister. But with God... When he's angry with you, it does matter because it affects you personally and it affects you painfully for the rest of eternity. And Hebrews agrees with Romans. Hebrews 10 verse 26 says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we receive the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Hebrews is not out of accordance with Romans. Talks about the raging fire in Hebrews for those who reject the Son, who reject the truth. So we've seen that there is an eternal judgment. We've seen that it's a weighing of works. We've seen that people will be justified by doing good, in particular the good of receiving Jesus. We've seen that they'll be rewarded. We've seen that people will be condemned for rejecting Jesus and that they will be punished eternally. But you may be saying, okay... All well and good, but how do I know that I will appear before God's judgment throne? Not everyone will be there, surely. Surely it'll just be the the people who are interested in in religion that will go there. I can reject religion and it'll all be okay. I'm not going to appear before God's judgment throne. Well, that brings me to my sixth and main point this morning. Eternal judgment involves everyone. Eternal judgment involves everyone. And we see that in Romans chapter 2, verse 9 and onwards, where God is very clear through the Apostle Paul to say that both Jews and Gentiles, every nation, will be judged by God. Verse 9 of Romans chapter 2 reads, There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, 
first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honour and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favouritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. If you, can, you say, oh, I don't know about God's law, well, God will still judge you. You may say, that's unfair. Well, we'll keep reading. What does Paul have to say? He says, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles, that's non-Jews who don't have the Ten Commandments, who do not have the law, do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. People say, oh, I don't know about God's law. Yes, you do. Every time you do what is right in accordance with God's law, you show that you've got God's law written on your heart. Every time you show love to anyone, you are saying, I know what I'm supposed to do in this world. And when you do it, God will judge you as doing right. When you do wrong, he will judge you as doing wrong. When you don't show love to other people, he says, you know by your conscience that you are doing the wrong thing and I will hold you accountable for it. And I'm yet to meet anyone on this, on this planet who doesn't know that there is a right thing to do and that there's a wrong thing to do. Even children know what is, that there's a concept of right and wrong from a young age. Everybody knows it. And God then holds everybody accountable. And the book of Hebrews agrees with what Paul has to say here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. He says, the author of Hebrews, you have come to God the judge of all men. The judge of all men. If you are human, I mean, when he says men there, that's not excluding all the women that you somehow get a free pass before the judgment throne. He's using man there in the sense of human. All men. If you are human, you pass before the judgment throne of God. So we see that judgment. We see how God will judge. And then we see that it involves everyone. The question then is, is, when is that judgment? When is this eternal judgment that the author of Hebrews is speaking about? 2,000 years ago he said this. When is this judgment to come? Well, there is a sense that we will be judged at the end of our lives. Hebrews 9:27. The author of Hebrews speaks about that. He says, "Man is destined to die once, and after that face judgment. As soon as you die, you're judged. As soon as you die, you either go after judgment to be with Jesus in paradise, or you go to be punished." Is that what the author is speaking about? Eternal judgment? When he says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2, eternal judgment, that it's an elementary truth of Christianity. Well, it could be, but I think it is more the final judgment, the day of God's judgment where we will all appear before God with resurrection bodies. And that is exactly what has come just before, in chapter 6, verse 2, this mention of eternal judgment. Chapter 2 says, instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. There seems to be a bit of a progression happening through the 
the, the list there given in Hebrews chapter 6. I mean, we, we see the importance of repentance and faith, that we need repentance and faith in our lives. And then he moves on to baptism. We, see the, we saw the importance of baptism. We need to repent, we need to believe, and then we need to be baptized. The laying on of hands, the receiving of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he gives us, the resurrection of the dead, and then eternal judgment. One day you'll be raised to life with a resurrection body. What happens next? There's a final judgment. There's a judgment where you come before God and he looks at you and what you've done. So the question is then, when does that resurrection happen and judgment follow? When will that come? Well, the Bible tells us quite repeatedly that it's when we least expect it, that we don't know when it will be. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2 says, The day of the Lord, referring to the day of judgment, will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, as labour pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. When does a pregnant woman know that she's going to start going into labour? She doesn't. She has a good guess, but she doesn't know She can't predict that, and that's what the day of judgment will be like. The the other hint that's given there is when people are saying peace and safety. Are people saying peace and safety in our time? Or is everybody saying what I'm saying here today, that there's a judgment coming and you need to watch out? There's lots of people from different pulpits, not necessarily in churches, from different public spheres, proclaiming peace and safety. You have nothing to worry about. They do it in books, they do it on the television, they do it on the radio. Peace and safety, peace and safety. What's that a sign of? God's judgment could come at any moment. That we could suddenly be raised with resurrection bodies, our bodies will be changed and we'll be before the throne of God. The judgment could come at any time. And we should be ready for it. We should not be thinking peace and safety, but we should be watching Out, be alert, keep watch, as Jesus says. You may say, oh, well, okay, there is a final judgment, but who will judge? When I get before that throne, who will be the one who justifies? Who will be the one who condemns? Well, that brings me to my eighth main point this morning. Eternal judgment is done by God and Jesus. Chapter 2, verse 16, the last verse in this passage that we're looking at to show us a bit more about the final judgment. Chapter 2, verse 16 says, This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. Who judges us? God. But it's interesting, he says, through Jesus Christ. And that's what John chapter 5, verse 22 tells us. Jesus says, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but is entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. He who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. God judges, but he has handed all judgment over to the Son. And so we, if we are to be right on Judgment Day, need to get right with the Son. We need to accept him. We need to trust him and his work at the cross for our salvation. But you may say, okay, God's going to judge me. I might be condemned. I might get some punishment. But how long will that go on for? 
Well, that's my ninth main point this morning. Eternal judgment is eternal. Eternal judgment is eternal. It is just that. That's what the author of Hebrews says in verse uh, 2. He doesn't just say judgment. He says eternal judgment. He wants to remind us that the effects of the judgment of God will be eternal. If you get condemned on judgment day, there is no second chance. There's no going back and saying, I believe, I want to accept Jesus. And that's a wonderful truth for us as well, if we have trusted in Jesus. Because it means that there's no changing of God's mind. That halfway through eternity, if there is a halfway through eternity, that after a million years, God says, okay, I'm changing my mind, and your reward is not an eternal reward. It was only a million years, and now you're going to be punished. Remember, you were a sinner. But no, it's an eternal judgment, which would either strike fear into us if we're an unbeliever, and great sadness for us who are believers about our unbelieving friends. We shouldn't be all cocky and excited to tell people that they're going to hell as though we've somehow got something over them. It should scare us that there are so many people around us, friends, family, neighbours in our community, that are facing an eternal judgment. And if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, I encourage you to consider what eternity is in comparison to your life. Even if you live 90, 100 years in this world, it is nothing in comparison to eternity. It is worth getting right with Jesus today, trusting in him, because otherwise you'll be punished for eternity. And it's with great sadness that I tell you that. I would hate to think that anyone sitting in this room this morning goes to be punished for eternity. When all along God has graciously, he didn't need to, but he sent his son that if we trust in him, our sins that deserve eternal punishment, that eternal punishment that we deserve was poured out upon Jesus Christ. And if we accept him, we can be saved. But if we are Christians, rejoice in the fact that we have an eternal reward. The judgment of God is eternal. And we can go on one day to live for eternity in a paradise, in a place that's free from suffering and has Jesus Christ there. So the author of Hebrews wants us to understand the eternal judgment. He wants us, he says this is an elementary truth. He doesn't give us all the basics in that verse, but we can look to other parts of the Bible which are very clear, like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 2 about the eternal judgment. And we should get it clear in our minds what we need to do to escape God's wrath and anger. But if you have accepted Jesus Christ and you have an eternal reward, what are you to do? Well, the author of Hebrews has been telling us again and again in Hebrews chapter 6 that we must move on from these elementary teachings. He says that in chapter 6, verse 1, Therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. We're meant to move on from these things, as I've said week after week. And that includes the eternal judgment. It's very easy to focus on the eternal judgment, which is a very important truth, a very scary thing to consider. 
God bringing you before him and examining your life and what you have done and then either sending you to hell or sending you to heaven. It's a scary thing and it should scare us. But once we have accepted Jesus Christ and we know we have an eternal reward through him, then there's no point focusing on it all the time. We can worry ourselves sick about that day of judgment, even though we're going to be okay. And that's where we need to move on. Because if suffering and pain and trials come into our lives and people challenge us about Christianity and all we've ever thought about is the eternal judgment of God and we're still not sure whether we're going to be okay on that day of judgment, we're not going to survive. We need to get clear the eternal judgment of God in our minds. Who is justified? Me, because I've trusted in Jesus Christ. How long will my reward go for? Eternity. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to move on to concentrating on things that will really help me as a Christian. And what are they? Well, teaching about Christ's righteousness in chapters to follow. Growing in my knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because if I grow in my knowledge of Jesus Christ, and I'll grow in my knowledge of his atoning sacrifice at the cross, and know that I'm safely secure in him, which then feeds back into my assurance that in the eternal judgment I'm going to be okay. If I grow in Jesus Christ... I love him more and more each day, then things like the eternal judgment can fade into the background because I know that they're, they're important, but it's not a big deal to me anymore because of who Jesus is and my focus and attention is on him. And so that's what we need to do. If you're not a Christian in here this morning, trust in Jesus. Fear the judgment to come. If you are a Christian, move on. And hopefully I'll move on from this verse eventually and we'll find out more and more about Jesus Christ and how we can love him and delight in him and particularly his work at the cross for us. Let us speak with our God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have warned us that there is an eternal judgment. You did not need to do so. You could have left us in our sins and on Judgment Day called us to account for those sins and condemned us all to eternity in hell. And it would have been right and good of you to do so. But Lord, in your mercy, in your grace, you warned us that there is an eternal judgment, that we know right from wrong. And in your mercy, you made a way out. You didn't just tell us that something bad was going to happen to us and then We would fear all our lives and then be condemned. But Lord, you gave us a way of salvation, a way to be justified on that day, and that is Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you so much for sending him. Thank you that all we have to do to be safe on Judgment Day is trust in him. There is nothing else required. We just need to believe that he died for us. We pray that everybody in this room may trust that Jesus Christ died for them, so they are safe on Judgment Day. And we pray then that everybody in this room may be able to move on from this elementary truth, this foundational truth, but start to consider more and more who Jesus Christ is and fall in love with him and his righteousness given for us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.